Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening and welcome to Sugar and Silk, brought to you exclusively by Ace Podcast Nation. My name is Ben Doughty. My name is Michael Silk Olajide. See, now the thing is, Silk, there you are, l- large as life, you know, real as <laughs> real as God's good air. And I've already told people, your fans, that you wouldn't be here tonight. I know, uh, I could be away. So I was just going to do a quick show with size and anchor. And here you are. So, um, you well, know, you I, hope, I hope nobody... God, God moves in mysterious ways, right? Absolutely. Um, so, you, I believe you're on your travels, but um, yes. you, I, be, I also believe you caught a little bit of Shakur Stevenson's lightweight debut last night in Newark, New yeah. Jersey, against the Japanese fighter Yukiro Yoshino. Yes. Um, he, my analysis of it, I mean, he looked damn sharp and heavy-handed, um, and really stood in the pocket. I know. Apparently, he was. They, that was the fourth opponent they'd looked at for him for this fight. They were looking at uh, Isaac Cruz. They were mm-hmm. looking at um, George Cambosis. They offered it to, who turned it down. And apparently Isaac Cruz um, had said he didn't want to fight hey, um, Stevenson because he was a runner. And apparently that had rankled with him. And you look at the way he fought last night. He stood right there in front of the guy, who looked like a physically strong guy as well. Yeah. And really, uh, just like you said, it was a beatdown. I think, obviously, Stevenson did not respect Yoshino from the get-go, from the bell. It's one of those fights where he knew that this was a fight designated for him to look good and that Yoshino was the perfect opponent for him. Um, people talk a lot about, oh, when you box, you got, got to keep your hands up. Got to, this guy had his hands up as high as you can get him. You could not get your hands any higher. You need your eyes for defense. He, this kid wasn't on, in the same league offensively or defensively. He did not know what to do with somebody like like uh, Stevenson. Never seen anything like that before. Whereas Yoshino was something pretty basic. He didn't have anything. Um, he didn't have, you know, he had a fastball maybe. I, I've never seen him before. But he didn't have anything about his style that, that would cause you to pause or hesitate. And that's exactly what you need when you fight somebody like uh, Stevenson. You don't let him set his feet. The guy was every punch he was loading up on. Yeah. He was pot shotting him all night from from the first bell. That's incredible. And he was hardly using the jab, Michael, because you know he he likes to touch. Um, mm-hmm. I know he was fighting a southpaw. Mm-hmm. Sorry, he was fighting. Uh, well, he'd usually be fighting orthodox, right? But maybe that makes a difference when when it's uh, southpaw versus orthodox in terms of, you know, you, you, the jab sometimes. But he was touching an awful lot with it rather than using the jab and just throwing power shots, like the, the straight yeah. the straight left, yeah. the lead right hook. Yeah. You know, but, that, and that's, and that, that is, as fighters go, if a guy comes out and he's not even checked, he's not even, like, trying to set you up with the jab first, he's not giving you points, yeah. he absolutely has no worry about anything you're going to do. He sees you. He knows what you are. And he, and he saw Yoshino as a one-dimensional fighter, and he treated him exactly like that. And it was just, you know, so, so um, you know, and no matter what his record was, he could have been undefeated. He could have had one loss. It didn't matter. He had this kid's number. He's tailor-made for Stevenson. And, and maybe that's what they wanted, uh, you know, uh, to make him look very impressive. And then maybe he's going to come back, and maybe he will take a cruise now or, or somebody else. One thing I like about the situation at lightweight is if he wants a shot at the world title, he has to. There's only one guy who can fight, or which will be the winner of uh, Devin Haney and Vasyl Lomachenko, who are yeah. fighting 
I believe, is it May 6th or May 20th? I've actually forgotten the precise date, but I know it's coming up next month. Yeah, um, it's, 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 that ought to be a good fight. Um, it, it's really interesting. But let me ask you now. So Garcia, they moved up to junior welterweight because I, I didn't get it for a second. I thought for a while they were fighting for the lightweight title, but they're not. Is it going to be a 10-rounder of that well, fight? Well, well, as you know, usually there is no such thing as the lightweight title in this day and age. But there actually is right now because <laughs> Devin Haney is, is unified. Do you know what? I was thinking about it still. We have three, forgetting the ladies who, who have more unified, you know, undisputed champions, you know, because there's more of a shallow you know, shallowness of, of talent pool. But looking at male boxing right now, there is three undisputed world champions. That would be Haney, Canelo, and also um, you have Jamal Charlo, a, a, a junior middleweight. Now, that is actually a pretty upbeat situation, do you not think? Given that the last several decades, it's a, I can't remember the last time we had, and it seems to have happened quite quietly. No one's making a song and dance about it. We're all still complaining that the best won't fight the best, and we and we get the crumbs of a situation to the point where there was a time when Aguayo Pryor was regarded as a trade super fight, but it wasn't no Hagler Hearns or even you know even um, or Duran uh, or Leonard Hearns, etc. Um, but we do have a situation where we've got three undisputed world champions, and I can't remember the last time that was the case. So, um, I certainly, if you don't remember, I'm certainly not going to remember. But, but I do love the way you say my ladies. You say my ladies with such, I don't know, it rolls off your tongue. You say, yeah, yeah. you know, beautiful British accent. My ladies. I always say maladies. Yeah. Well, the, the two are very in, inextricably linked, as you as you will be aware, <laughs> being a man of the world. But, you know, in answer to your question, no, the, the, the Garcia and Davis, Tank Davis fight, that is made at 136 pounds. Which is basically that's a lightweight contest, just you know, negotiated a pound of the a title though. It's not for the it's not for a title because Haney has Haney has those things on lock. The other okay. thing that does happen, by the way, and you, you know this, you'll get an undisputed world champion occasionally in boxing, like Canelo is. The the WBC and the WBA are not above installing kind of other trinket holders underneath them with their kind of regular um, Silver belt or um, interim, their interim strategies, you know, which are just, you know, they're just revenue streams, aren't they? And just ways yeah, of marketing. No, they? absolutely. They, they, you know, they are that. And I understand they're trying to leverage, uh, get as much money out of it as possible. It's just the nature of men, it's the nature of capitalism. Um, so, you know what I mean? You can't really complain about that in the long run, really. It, it does distort boxing in a way, but as long as boxing keeps itself pure and fighters fight, We'll always come to the point where we'll know who number one is, but I, I just, I just don't understand. Is this a ten-round fight or a twelve-round fight? Garcia and Davis. Yes, I, I believe it's a, it's a twelve-rounder because if you look at even uh, Anthony Joshua versus Jermaine Franklin last weekend was um was a twelve-rounder. A lot of big, important non-title fights nowadays are made of the championship distance because. I guess because of- they just make them, they just make them twelve rounders because they want them to be twelve rounders. Why not? Because that's the distance that. Well, because there's there's some sort of um, sometimes it's kind of like this chivalry in it being a fifteen round fight. You know what you I mean? Like, you like the idea of a sacrosanct distance, which denotes oh, absolutely. a championship. Absolutely. So now <laughs> if it's now if it's blase blase or casual to do twelve rounds, then why not introduce, introduce fifteen? It doesn't make do, do, do you remember when Ali fought Mac Foster in Tokyo and he fought him over 15 rounds in a non-title fight? You remember that? Yeah, no, I don't. I was too young. Uh, well, come on. How, how, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, nice time. <laughs> um, but you, I, I imagine you do. You, 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 you need to be an expert on Ali because, you know, you've thrown down before on his behalf. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was thinking about that again today and I think, I don't think it makes sense that, that Ali was was a greater fighter than Robinson, but you made it. You very much made it seem in the moment we had that discussion like he was. I think Shogun <laughs> Lennon was actually a, a better complete fighter than Ali, I, but I don't want to go down that road again. We, we, okay, do we don't want to go with that. We don't want to go down that road because we're talking about Stevenson. But how? I don't know. Ali dismantled anyone and everyone he got in front of, with the exception of when he was, you know, out of sorts. Um, the end of his career, um, everyone he fought or anyone who beat him, he beat them all back. And, you know, 
And he played us a giant. So I think he was a little bit more perfect because I think you, if you're 147 pounds at your best, you're going to be more perfect if you're that good than somebody who is over 200 pounds. No. And that was the beauty of Ali. He was an exception. He was a heavyweight that fought like a middleweight or a welterweight. The way he he moved like a welterweight, he punched. I mean, that was really that was his main that was his main advantage over anyone else. And that's why they couldn't prepare for somebody like Ali because he just did everything so different. You'd have to get a lighter weight fighter to emulate Ali, you know, moving. And at that well, point, you're not getting the that's power. That's what Ray did. Because um, because you know what, right? I, I do want to go back into what we were talking about, but Sugar Ray. Uh, said to me when at the time that I interviewed him over 10 years ago, he said initially his favorite was Joe Fraser, and he said he tried to emulate Joe Fraser when he was 14 yeah. as an amateur. Yeah. And well, he emulated was, his left hook real well, that's for sure. You know what I mean? That, that, that's what I actually think we got the perfect hybrid of Muhammad Ali and Joe Fraser because of his early infatuation, yeah. Then, yeah. then his quick graduation to the Ali style and identification. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. he said it was. He said it was a certain point when he started to box like Ali and he started dancing and he was conscious of that. He yeah, said, yeah, but initially yeah. Joe was the one he was trying to be, which, yeah. and he had a body attack too, which Ali yeah. would have said didn't have. Yeah, so, maybe Ray, so maybe Ray Leonard was this perfect hybrid of Joe Fraser and Ali all rolled into one. That's a theory. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, but no, you're saying to me, brother, in, in the absence, we don't have 15 rounders anymore. So what you're saying to me is you like the idea that a, a 12 rounder should be for a world championship fights or, or, or other championship fights, British and European championship fights um yeah. only and that non-titles should be demarked by the fact Absolutely. that they're, I mean, they're going through all these they're convoluting everything i mean boxing you need to have a, a series of like i mean you need to have some parameters here what makes it a title what makes it boxing after a while they're just like distorting everything and then would it, and they are. would it not be would it be fair to say that it actually needs reworking from the bottom to the top and remodeling because i remember i spent john scully who's you know fantastic guy and a former guest on this show mm -hmm. he was talking a while ago and he said they are ruining boxing history and one of the reasons why i love ice and, and, and someone like yourself is because while some someone like me but not really me there's only one michael elijah though. listen you know what i'm saying <laughs> what, what, I'm, what i mean is guys like you and scully for instance mm -hmm. somebody in this business in the in the uk might look at me and still see me as a kind of glorified fan and they'll say i understand what you're talking about and you're an historian whatever else you are that, they call me that by the way i don't call me that um but you don't get the business or you know th th this is a business and you've got to understand and, and and they think they have this kind of elitist kind of cynicism about it but guys mm -hmm. like you and scully who did more than they ever did and count for more than they will ever count for are still with me on this mm -hmm. and you still and scully was saying you know they are ruining boxing history with what they're doing and i'll give you an example you talk about marvin Hagler you know, or, or Carlos Monza, and you know what their title winning performances were. And you could tell me things about the Benvenuti fight when Monza became champion, and certainly the Alan Minter fight when Hagler became the world middleweight champion. Now, if I asked you who did Gennady Golovkin beat to become middleweight champion of the world, I imagine you couldn't tell me. Because yeah. you know what? It was for an interim title. Then he got upgraded, a bit like David Haney did back in the day yeah, yeah. before he yeah. cleaned up at 135. And um, they are ruining boxing history, and they are, they, they are ruining legacy before these things even get started. Yeah, yeah. And as far as the World Championship goes, I remember when Adrian Broner and Mikey Garcia won four World Championships at different weights, around about the same-ish kind of time. And I remember thinking, this has lost all its kind of sting and relevance, and it's lost all its pizzazz, it's lost all its history, and it's lost all its, you know, monumental... The boxing, when you have, when you say, well, we're going to do a unification bout, that's basically what... Every fighting fight. the number one contender is the champion fighting the number one contender. It's it's a unification battle. So, do you know what? So, somebody I like this guy, but he doesn't have come up with some rubbish on my page. Mm -hmm. He said the good thing about Usyk fighting Dubois is that it will unify the WBA belt because you've got the the, the interim champ or the regular. I think he, I can't remember. I cannot remember which one that Dubois yeah. won against Trevor Bryan it's in the King show. He yeah. said, but that'll be good because we're unifying the WBA belt. Yeah. We've lost the fucking plot when we start talking like that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Because their intent is to unify the titles when it should be one title anyway. Really, which is why Silk, when when a guy called Michael Benson, who, who who's pretty good for the boxing roundups every day on Twitter, he always says such and such will be defending his like you know Devin Haney will be defending his 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 WBO WBC WBA and IBF 
uh, undisputed world lightweight titles against against not Vessel Lomachenko. And I go, no, you just say his undisputed world lightweight title singular. You don't call them his undisputed world titles and name check them all. That's so what we're what trying to get away from, right? We just have like uh, we just have like the. We're not it, we're not going to be around very long, and and the world's changing, and it's always going to change, and there's always going to be something new, and this is it. We're like the keepers of the gate, guys like you, me, Scully, and there's other guys out there that do it as well. Um, yeah. But but you know it's going to get normalized. It always does. You know what I mean. The world will always change. Change is inevitable, and so you just have to you know give it what acknowledge it for what it is, and just know that. Back in the day, there was a better, more purposeful product than it is today, you know, and then that's all yeah. there is to it. It's like today you get more options and you have a lot more diversity. But, you know, um, when you have this solid thing like what this is, I mean, why not just keep it simple when you can? I understand when you know what I mean. There's there's more ingredients going into it now. Yeah. But there's absolutely no reason why we can't offer the best of boxing by making people fight under one, one banner. Yeah, it's I as I and I also understand the other side. You know, people they want a chance, and sometimes they won't be given that chance to fight for a title. Like there are many fighters in the forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, and even. To the 80s like curtis your Parker. era your era like james yeah. kitchen never got a sniff yeah. at agler never. Never, got a, never got a world title shot yeah i and, mean he fought tommy hearns okay for the for the super middleweight um inaugural title yeah. but he never got a shot at 160 where he was yeah. he was the number one contender forever yeah exactly By both both major sanctioning bodies yeah, a lot of those guys were yeah yeah so um so i understand this tough i don't think james hardard green ever got a shot either did he no, and you know, back then he he was that what you'd call a French contender. Um, no, yeah, he was he was up in the, he was definitely up in the top five at least. James okay, Hardard. So you, you would say actually he was a little more than a French contender. Yeah, yeah. In terms of a description of that I'm not going to argue that too vehemently. But the, the point being, Michael, there was such a thing then as a as a French contender or a contender, oh, yeah. whereas that we don't really have. Um, honest to goodness contenders anymore because everybody is strapped in some kind of hardware. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's yeah. so true. Now, now, so getting back to, to this kid, Yoshino, I mean, it's a, it didn't surprise me that obviously, you know, they want to give, they want to make Stevenson the show and he looked really good. But when you're going into a fight, your corner has to prepare you. And this kid was just not prepared. I mean, you have to let your fighter know what he's going to face. And so if I'm training this kid going to the fight, I'm like, this guy's coming at you to take your head off, and this is what we have to do to offset it. And, and I didn't see any ability for this kid to adapt. Adapt. I, I don't know if that's the style he fights in all the time, but it pretty much looks like it to me. He was expecting to just, you know, come in and change punches, exchange punches, and maybe – catch him with a lucky shot? I mean, what was the strategy here? I, I think he probably expected to be able to take Haney out of his comfort zone or rhythm a bit more. I think he thought he might be able to bully him a bit more. He looks like he's ordinarily used to being the stronger fighter, the Japanese guy, to me. Yeah. And I haven't seen a whole load of him either. But yeah. he couldn't budge uh, He couldn't budge Shakur Stevenson at all, could he? The, the no. kid stood right there and yeah. teed off on him, really. You yeah, know? yeah. And, really. Uh, so his reflex... His reflex, uh, I have to say, Stevenson was very, very sharp. And, and every time he, you know, he found an opening, he found a home. I mean, I just heard those gloves ricocheting off his head throughout the fight. Yeah. And you can't let your opponent sit down on his punches. As soon as you see a man put two feet and plant them in the ground, you know you're in for an issue. So the thing is, it's one thing or the other. You either have to make him back up and make him move away or you make him come at you, but you don't give him a chance to exactly do, do something, but but don't yes. just just fade into what he's doing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, and that's exactly it. And and his cornerman didn't tell him that. Like, come on, guys! Like, have you done this before? <laughs> well, it, you know what? That's the thing. I've seen it quite a lot. Sometimes you see people in a position where they're on a big fight, main event on big television platform and you will see the corner they're not too clued up all the time there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in boxing which is mm -hmm. why you'll get people say oh, i'm a good coach because you know 
because I've worked with this guy and that guy and, the, and all the rest of it. And, and you, you know yourself, you've seen more than I have. There's some guys who are, who are phoning that stuff in and, mm-hmm. and they will claim eminence based on their connection to a few notable fighters when you know that they, you can fit what they know about boxing on the back of a, of a travel card, you know? Well, Lomachenko's father, right? He's not a boxer, but Lomachenko's father, I worked with him on his style all the way yeah. through. Now that Lomachenko coming off his last fight didn't look like he had looked in the past, let's just say, to be polite. Does anybody think that maybe his father trained him is an issue or isn't an issue? I don't know, because to make that call, I'd have to see those two work together. I've never seen them work together. I know the whole kind of um, narrative about his dad making him do Russian dancing, you know, traditional cultural dancing for, yeah. for a couple of years when he was a boy. Yeah. Before he allowed into box. So he said he had the foundations for his yeah. extraordinary yeah. style and movement and rhythm and all the rest of it. Huh. But um, I don't know, because have you seen Lomachenko and Kemp back in the day doing some of that kind of mind games, you know, brain sharpening type stuff where he's got to press this one, a bit like memory games and oh, all the yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. reflex yeah. games. Yeah, reflex so, yeah. I don't, I don't know what their dynamic in the gym is, to be honest with you, and I, I don't know how, except for the, the little bits. Yeah. Stuff being, I don't you know. know sometimes, how sometimes playing. having a coach with you, you know, his father was with him throughout his amateur career, and now is a pro game, and, yeah. and you have to adapt a lot. And sometimes you need someone else to come in and enhance you, like your father's taking you to the limit of his experience and his knowledge. Now you need somebody else to come and help you over to the other part. I don't know how much of it is age, how much of it is, uh, you know, you know, maybe he isn't listening to his father the same, or maybe they're just doing the same old thing and expecting the same old you know what? results. And the thing is, when you when you're fighting, people are looking at you and they're always adapting to you. So the things that you do after a while stop being effective because people have seen it before; they're prepared for it. And that's kind of what happened with Tiafimo and and um, and and the last kid. But the thing with um, Lomachenko, he's only lost the two fights, right? He lost early in his career, very early. And how many fights he had now? It's it's like about twenty or something like that. It's easy. Twenty, so he's twenty and two. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I, somebody could probably tell us. By the way, I'd like to say, guys, I appreciate the fact sometimes you're making comments and asking questions. We can't read the comments the way things are set up uh, at the moment during the live show. We will come back to them later when we when we review this. Uh, I still want you to make comments and engage. You still feel free to talk to each other, but we can't actually respond to your comments until later. Some of you might, somebody would no doubt be able to tell us right now what Lomachenko's official record is. You know, like he fought for a world title in his second pro fight, right? And and mm-hmm. he lost to Orlando Salido. Debatable decision. Salido never made the weight, and he fouled like Eusebio Pedroza versus Juan Laporte all night you know but um so that was seen as you know not as um 19 and 2 he is i said he had about 20 fights right he's 19 and 2 i know that because the ace simon ace has just told us that but um he um so that wasn't such a much too much of a of a damaging victory for him and most people were like you know it's incredible he's competing at that level in his second professional fight anyhow and he would back and he was back and he and he achieved some incredible things in a short run of time after that mm-hmm. uh, including world championships at three weights since then he's lost to uh Tiafimo lopez when he says he has a shoulder injury and i'm inclined to believe him some people think that he was a little unlucky with that yeah. verdict i think he yeah. lost but they, they said he didn't really do enough in the first six seven rounds and that's where he threw it away but so we shouldn't necessarily be writing Loma's obituary just yet, should we? If if he beats Haney next month, which he might yes. do, that's yeah, a yeah. major legacy cementing situation for him, right? That that definitely puts him back in the um, upper echelons of pound for pound. That's for sure. Yeah, and yeah. and yeah, puts a it puts his name back on on the tip of your tongue, and uh, one of the most you know more exciting fighters and. And and capable fighters, obviously most talented fighters uh, out there. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing that fight. I haven't I haven't seen a lot. Um, Devin Haney yet. I'm not sure uh, if his man strength is coming yet. You know what I mean, like that, that that kind of thing. And I don't know if we're going to find out in this fight because uh, Lomachenko isn't that kind of fighter either. You know, like. Uh, like, like Lopez gave him a check. I don't think he's going to be able to check uh, 
I don't think he's going to be able to check Haney the same way. I don't think Lomachenko is well, going to be able to check. He's not going to physical. He's not going to out physical him. It's going to be a brain, a battle of brains. This fight, I expect. Who, who do you fancy? Uh, I'm I'm kind of leaning towards Lomachenko. I think he's I think he's quiet. I think he's putting things together. I think he's going to give the best performance of his life. I, I think he's going to try harder than he ever had anyway. Whether it's going to be uh, he's going to get those results that he's training for, I don't know. But um, but I, I'm kind of leaning towards I'm kind of leaning towards Lomachenko on this one. The bookies the bookies fancy Haney, and there's a lot of. The preponderance of fans seem to be favouring Haney as things stand right now, but we'll see, you know, in due course. Um, another, there was a shock last night when um, a touted junior middleweight prospect, who is kind of notable media-wise for the fact he's six foot five, Sebastian Fundora, got yeah. uh, knocked out by one Brian Mendoza. Um, you were saying to me off screen that you felt that he was a bit of a disaster waiting to happen. Actually, yeah, it was. Um... It was like he's kind of like the uh, Eiffel Tower in a hurricane. <laughs> so yeah. it's like he's tall, he's thin, he's right here. He's got the rapier type punches. He slashes at you, but his punches take too long, and he's just open. There's yeah. just so much, like just there's just too much to hit, and 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 it's like you're punching in between his punches, and he leaves a lot of space in between. So his timing of his hands uh, are, is very mechanical and obvious. You can see it. And his face is right there. No defensive inclinations. And, um, and it's, it's inevitable. They're, they're relying upon his resilience and his chin in order to win fights. And the higher you get up the ladder, the less that flies. What do you think when you saw it? You know what? I, I, didn't, see, I didn't see that, KO. I just saw the reports and pictures. But, yeah. but I think... A, a lot and of you know what it was, Ben? He the, the kid he fought through the left hook over the southpaw jab. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we're talking about that. Like everyone says the right hand on the southpaw. No, the left hook's a beautiful counter. They can't see it because they're jabbing like this and they're covering the, the yeah. shoulder out of their vision. And the hook just comes around and catches them when you pull it down. I, and you can slip that jab and throw the left hook too. You know, that, that southpaw jab. Yeah, yeah you uh, can do that too. Although that that's the warning. Like if I dip over here, you know. You know what I mean? You think, yeah, you, you you think that they're going to throw. A warning, it, yeah, your instinct. Yeah, anyone so who's a good boxer. If you just if you literally throw it at the same time and maybe. Yeah, yeah. If you if you're pulling if you're pulling and throwing that hook at the same time, or all you do is just pull just enough to make a miss that and come over here. Yeah, it's a clean. It's a you're at least hurting them. You're at least wobbling them. Uh, punches that are least expense uh, uh, expected are generally the most dangerous. Yeah. Um, what else? There was, um, there was San Antonio had a, had, had a, a show last night headlined by Jesse Ben Rodriguez, who picked up his second world title at the age of 23. This on this occasion, the WBO flyweight title. Mm -hmm. the, the, he sustained a broken jaw against Christian Gonzalez in San Antonio last night. I know mm -hmm. that Mike Ayala was there. He went along. He decided on impulse to go to the show yesterday. Uh -huh. And, uh, Orlando Canizales, who's a, from Tech, Laredo, Texas, was also there. I see him mm -hmm. doing the rounds and having photographs with with a, a bunch of you know eminent people this weekend. But um, the interesting thing, he's going to be out a little while, Jesse Rodriguez, because he, he sustained a broken jaw last night on the way to winning mm. his, his second world title. But wow. the the talk is that he's going to fight Sonny Edwards next. Hopefully, that is what they are trying to put together, mm -hmm. which is going to be a lot easier now that Sonny Edwards. Um, the news came that Sonny Edwards had signed with Matchroom and Eddie Hearn. Uh, Sonny Edwards, of course, being the the um, IBF flyweight champion right now, mm -hmm. um, but I think he's he's also legitimately the number one flyweight in the world, rated as such by Ring Magazine, who have a lot of gravitas, and I think I think they've got it right on this occasion. And um, Sonny was with um, he'd been boxing under you know the the, the uh, Queensbury banner, the Frank Warren banner on, on BT Sport, and he was thinking about his earnings and his kind of the way he's being promoted or not, and a He's gone the other side of the street. He's signed with Eddie Hearn, which I think does make sense. You know what's interesting about Sonny Edwards? I mean, they talk about this fight with Jesse Ben Rodriguez to be the direction he's headed in. But there's been talk of him fighting his own brother, Charlie Edwards, who was also WBC flyweight champion uh, a few years ago. Yeah. 
before struggling with the weight and moving up to bantamweight. Now, obviously, most people, Charlie actually called him out recently and said, let's do it, Sonny. You know, this is the fun. And Eddie, Eddie, let's talk, you know, now that you've got Sonny wrapped up on the contract. And obviously, the most knee-jerk thing to think is people say, oh, that's just a gimmick. They'll never fight. Nah, it's going to be a brutal fight. If it's brothers and they're fighting for the world title. You can imagine. I've never seen, every time I've seen brothers sparring in the gym, they're trying to murder. They give each other brain damage. It's incredible. That's what, that's what they said about Tyrone Everett and Mike Everett in the Philly wow. Jones. Nigel Collins said it was, it was, it was off the hook. And yeah. then the whole gym... It, when the rumor was they were going to spar, people would be on the phones, and then the car parking lot would be full at the Philly. Yeah, they yeah. Wanted to witness this. I've seen Charlie and Sonny spar a bunch of times, and I never, to be honest with you, I never saw them really go at it and try to take each other's heads off. But yeah. I saw plenty of ego and plenty of annoyance and plenty of like showboating. And you yeah, come yeah, in, yeah. come on, hit me. No, you fucking come yeah, in. Trying then. to make each other, yeah. I it's saw nice. one time when neither one of them would come out the corner. They were both calling the other one in when the bell rang. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't come out the corner. He went, you come here. He went, no, you come here. And their dad, who was training at the time, who was a funny character, said, all right, both of you get the fuck out then. Go on, get out. Because they wouldn't step forward, you know. But they, yeah. were, they were a lot of fun in the gym. And there, and there was, you know, there was that sibling rivalry, clearly. But yeah. um, a friend of mine who knows the brothers well said to me, it's not a joke, this. He said, there is, there is a bit of needle between them at the minute. Mm-hmm. He said, Charlie has got, has got to hunt with Sonny for whatever reason. And consequently, he said that it's probably it's unlikely that it would ever happen. But he says that the uh, the animosity and, and the desire to fight each other is yeah. not just a, a publicity yeah. gimmick. Well, Michael and Leon used to spar, and they would go at it. Did you ever see it? You saw it? <laughs> no, I didn't see it. Michael okay. told me. <laughs> oh, Michael told you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like and initially, you know, Leon obviously got the best of my, I don't know how many times, Michael's very humble, so he didn't tell me at the time that he got him back, but I understand that, uh, you know, that's 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 one of the reasons that pushed Michael deeper into boxing. And, uh, yeah, as far as it is our brother. Yeah, I mean, yes. I think, yeah I think, because Leon used to take boxing. I guess he started boxing first, and he'd come home and he'd beat the hell out of Michael all the time. They'd put gloves on. And then Michael started, okay, he started going to the gym, and then he started to get some payback. Do you know Sugar Ray Leonard? One of his brothers was a guy called Kenny Leonard. Yes. Who was a promoter of some sort. He, he made a foray into boxing promotion in the 80s. Uh-huh. Not with great success, ultimately. But they had him in New Faces at the back of Ring magazine. Oh, or, yeah. Or the, it might not have been New Faces. That might have been exclusively for fighters. I can't remember. Yeah, but it was some kind of regular feature yeah. where they would say, you know, new guy on the block kind of thing mm-hmm. in whatever context whether he was a trainer or whatever uh-huh. and, they, and Kenny Leonard was was in there one month in Ring Magazine as a boxing promoter yeah. and in his, um, his in his interview that, that month he said <clears throat> when Ray got back from the Montreal Olympics and was the gold medalist he said obviously the family were all proud of him and celebrated and he felt a little bit put out and he thought I figured I could still beat up my kid brother surely that would be child's play yeah. <laughs> so, he said, so I challenged Ray to Bucks in, in the front room the living room at home yes. yeah. at his Olympic celebration yeah. and, he, and they cleared the sofas out of the way the couch whatever and yeah. made, made a space Yeah. and he said it wasn't a good idea he said I figured I, it was still my kid brother he said but yeah. he said that moment on I really started respecting fighters he said I couldn't you, do you it. know it's, in, it's interesting because family members always have to get that check and and in fact, I have um, I have a relative of mine who's much much younger than me, and just last year he challenged me. He's like, "Yeah, I want to box you like this," and I'm like, "Like what?" And like he spars with people, and he you know he does this thing. He's never fought before, but he really fancies his chance. And I'm like, "Okay, let me do the math on this. I know you're only like thirty something, but yeah. I, I don't get where you're going. Like what what is?" I don't understand the um, the machinations in the mind. Like, what makes you think that people have this? I don't know what it is. This misconce- they're misconstrued. Like, what a boxer really is and how to do it. And and it's it's not. There's nothing average about it. Like when a when a fighter hits you, compared to how somebody who's on the street would hit you, are absolutely. And it doesn't matter if you're 90. You can get hit by a 90 year old man that knows how to box, and he's going to turn your lights out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And people don't get that, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, hell, I have one client who's a little bit eccentric, <laughs> and he decided he knew he, he supposedly comes from a martial arts background, but I can't verify that because mm-hmm. I, 
I'm not an expert in that field. But I know that boxing-wise, he's very hard work and, and very yeah. difficult to teach. But anyway, he decided that he knew how Anthony Joshua could beat Tyson Fury. So back in the lockdown, when that fight was being talked about like it still is now, but more so then, he wanted to... He got he found out who Anthony Joshua's manager was, OK? And um, and he said, I'm going to make this video of you'll help me, you know, showing them the moves that he needs to use against a nullified Tyson Fury. I'm talking about a 60-year-old guy who, who doesn't know one hand from the fucking other, yeah. but he's going to tell Anthony Joshua how to go about this. And um, <laughs> somehow he got the number of the... I think he got AJ's commercial manager, not his actual boxing trainer, because... But he was saying to me he wanted me to be in this video, you know, and to demonstrate his moves. And I said, I'm not I said, I'm not gonna do that because Anthony Joshua knows me and, and his team know me. And he yeah. said, Well, surely that's good, isn't it? I said, No, no, it's not good at all. It's bad, <laughs> is what it is. I uh -huh. said so, and I'm so so we found some fucking stoner in the park, okay? Yeah, uh, who wanted to be the foil for these moves. Oh but the thing God. was he he opened up this video saying, hello, AJ trainers, my name's such and such, and uh, I've been boxing for six months. So anyway, what I um but some, I mean, all right, he's an extreme case, but people do have an odd sense of, you know, perception of reality of boxing, like you say. And, and how, really do you remember that that historian guy? His name's Steve Compton, and he and he is a he is a, a formidable historian, and he's uh -huh. written a very very long book about Harry Greber, six hundred pages. Uh -huh. He's got one of the biggest fight film collections in the world. He's seen more of a lot of great fighters than anybody wow. because he's a hardcore historian. Yeah. But I remember him arguing with you. He was saying Penel Whitaker was, was, was overrated. You were saying, are you smoking crack, basically? <laughs> this is the disconnect between a world-class fighter yeah. and a person with a massive physical boxing IQ uh -huh. and a hardcore historian. <laughs> and you waste each other in each category and never yeah. the twain shall meet. Because he said, you were saying politely, as always you are, you were saying you just don't quite get it. Um, yeah. And he and he said, "Oh, come on, don't come with that. All oh, all you boxers all the time trying to make out like it's some Jedi Knight bullshit." And <laughs> see, to him that makes sense. Don't yeah. Michael Elijah Day. Don't you be trying to make out like this is some Jedi Knight bullshit? Yeah, but yeah. it is. It is yeah, some it is. Jedi Knight bullshit. Yeah, it is. The people don't understand that boxing is the martial arts of like of your of your fists. Anybody yeah. that wants to punch needs that in any martial art or self-defense will appeal to the boxer because nobody knows the art of punching like a boxer does. You're not going to go to a boxer and learn how to kick, you know what I mean, or to grapple or any of that kind of stuff. I would go to a wrestler. I would go to someone jujitsu, whatever that is. But when it comes to the art of punching, you want to find somebody that knows the art of punching. And nobody does that more than... Nobody knows that better than a boxer. And and even kickboxers who punch and kick, they obviously don't know it better than boxers do. That's all this all the weapons you're allowed in boxing, these right here. And so there are a myriad of different punches and counters and answers and 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 all those things. And and um, but fighters don't get the respect because boxing looks like it's something anybody and everybody can do. It, it does look like something because because it's a fist fight, like you yeah. say. Yeah. So it looks kind of it looks kind of basic and simple, right? On that yeah. basis, if you didn't understand yeah. it, uh -huh. and um, and I think my my dad always used to lament as well as it being something that anybody can can do, supposedly, yeah. you know. Um, it was also some. My dad was frustrated that he said in the pub, you know, in in the in, in the London pubs of of his that he would frequent, you know, and there were many of them. Yeah. Um, he said that all you need, he said in football, soccer to you, um, although well, yeah, you're British anyway and you're from Liverpool. So it's football. <laughs> uh, he said in football, you have to know an entry, you have to have an entry level of knowledge. And a lot of working class fellows said that yes. because, because it's so, the culture is so, you know, sure, yeah. in yeah. football. He says, you couldn't talk about football if you only knew the names of two teams or two players. Yeah, yeah. He said, but yeah, in boxing, yeah. He said, you know the names of two fighters and you're away. In the pub, you're an expert. And you can yeah. start talking with all this kind of license. And it yeah. frustrated him, yeah. the lack of knowledge people had. You know, What even you said, what, what you just said, when you said the, like, the low point of entry, that's the thing with boxing. There was a very low point of entry. Even in terms of competition, you could never have fought before and you could end up fighting a professional fight. As a football player or American football player, you could not, there's no way you could step no. onto the field for the first time and play against a professional. It's just not going to happen. Well, the, these days, you know, you, you'll get a license in this country. They've tried to tighten up a little bit, okay, Silk, but at one point, 
the bar was so low. Anybody was getting a pro license if it had yeah. a couple of white collar fights, literally, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Not just because they were, you know, celebrities, mm-hmm. obviously, like, mm-hmm. like Freddie Flintoff, the cricket player, when he did it. But mm-hmm. I'm talking about nobodies, you know, just yeah. Joe Blows who'd had a couple of white yeah. collars. What yeah. they've done now is they've insisted now that you must have five amateur fights and it must be with the uh, the ABA in this country, the Amateur Boxing yeah. Association of England. You can, it can't be with the breakaway organisation called the Alliance. Yeah, so they've yeah. tried to... They've tried to tighten up a bit by saying you need five amateur fights. But, you know, um, there was a time, I, I'm led to believe, when you couldn't turn pro without a solid amateur background. And a lot of managers wouldn't look at you unless they thought they could, you know, you were headed yeah. somewhere, like Southern Area title or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. uh, boxing is boxing's a beast unto itself. It's its own, it's its own organism. That's for sure. But, May, may, you know, they, they, I don't know if this is true, by the way, but they say that at one point there were more professional fighters registered in New York City than there is in the whole world today. I don't know if that's true. People, It's a statistic people are fond of reciting. But yeah. in order to have, I think in order to have quality control, we could do with depth, couldn't we? Because the, if you've got lots of, lots of applicants, you, you can turn down some, you know, but I guess... Yeah. I get, because the game needs its 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 degree, you know, it's a bunch of also rounds as well. I suppose that's another reason. It also becomes harder to discriminate against people for lots of reasons today, right? Because yeah. we live in a culture which is so inclusive that you know people can sue people for all manner of things. I, I remember <laughs> there, there was a woman who was like already forty who came into the white collar class ten years ago, uh-huh. and she was on about turning pro, you know, having getting ready for her first white collar fight. Mm-hmm. And then someone said, "Well, you're a bit old at thirty nine or whatever." She said, "Oh well, you know." Obviously, I'm going to face discrimination. And it's like, well, it's not really discrimination. What they're saying is we're not going to license a 39-year-old novice yeah, who, yeah. Who, who probably couldn't sell a ticket anyhow, you know. But yeah. People yeah. have this sense of entitlement nowadays, you know? They, yeah, they really do. And and that's, that's the thing. And that's one of the beautiful things about beautiful. I sounded like I'm from the 1930s there. <laughs> like That's one of the beautiful things about boxing. Boxing has, like, anybody and everybody can do it. And that's the upside to it and then not only the great ones are going to get to that you know to the or people that have something exceptional about them that can't be figured out and they're going to get to the top spot because boxing is very much like you'll see somebody who could box extremely like just eloquently they're really good then you see someone come in that's absolutely awkward and and they make that excellent boxer look pedestrian or worse terrible well, I remember when uh, Greg Page and he was a George Chaplin or something. Yeah. Like that. I mean, I was just like, what is Greg Page doing? He's like, he just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing when I was watching this. Yeah, you know, and, and, and George Chaplin, obviously, he was experienced and everything, but he was just, it was just a very, very sloppy fight. And, and this man couldn't stay on his, and Greg couldn't stay on his mark. And Greg was an extremely talented fighter. Yeah, coming up at Louisville, but that's one of the, that's what boxing offers. It offers, you know, give me your weak, your poor, your tired, your sick, your everything, and you know you can throw it in as like a jambalaya, and it comes out, it comes out the way it does. You know what I mean? And that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful thing about it. But at the same time, it's also a negative thing about it. That's why people, that's why there are people that don't respect it, and they can, they think they can do what they want, and that gives room to you know uh, these youtube boxers and all the rest of this thing that they think they have they can talk some crap beat a few few street guys or ex-athletes and other disciplines and then come and say they're real boxers and that they can fight for a world title and they get millions of dollars i don't begrudge them that because it's all about the eyes it's just like if you can get people to watch you because you tell an interesting story then that's what it is but that doesn't mean you're qualified to fight like put that kid in with Bederbia for you know better be yeah. you know what I mean? it's like it's like put him in with somebody even in the top I don't know fifty of the amateurs not even pros amateurs exactly and, and I've always been rather insistent on that you know otherwise it's a waste of time and it's a, it, it makes yeah. it mockery of fighters who spend their whole lives from from yeah. the time when they're this high you know yeah. in the art of the, the sweet science yeah. You tell me uh, a golden a golden glove champ is is gonna whoop his butt. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, talking of um, fights to come by this time next week when we're in this slot, we've we've already happened. Joe Joyce uh, fights the the uh, Chinese heavyweight contender Zile Zhang. Uh, 
yes. at the Copper Box um, the tough boy. Arena Airport. in Stratford, oh. just a, a few, just up the road from where I'm sitting right now, actually, yeah. in East London. Um, I don't know uh, how much you've seen of, of Joe Joyce. Um, I, I believe you said to me you've, you've seen, you've actually seen more of Zang. Yes. But um, yes. I don't know how you're reading that one. I think it's... Um, Joyce, you know, I mean, these days, Joyce seemed to, people seem to regard Joyce as the coming man. Mm-hmm. And many, I know many would make an argument that he deserves to be ranked above Anthony Joshua in the here and now in terms of what he's going to do, as opposed to what he's done up to now and what Joshua's done up to now. And a lot of people were fancying to beat Anthony Joshua if they were to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, people give him an even chance against Alexander Usyk, who beat, it, who beat him in the amateurs, you know. And, and people would like to see him against Fury. And um, at one point, People were saying that people are still saying that assuming Joyce comes through without a hitch uh, next weekend, yeah. then he he may well fight Fury next. So there's plenty of opportunities out there for Joe Joyce. Yeah. Well, that kid is actually. really tough. That 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 kid um, out of China, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that boy, he's he's a he's a tough nut to crack. So if he can get him out, um, and if he if he can get him out clean, and he can look really good in that fight. Then we're really talking something because Zhang is is a is a, he's a heavy puncher, he's in really good shape, and um, yeah, that would be a good fight. I, I'm interested in seeing that because I'll get a good look at Joe Joyce. Is Joyce anything like I don't know? Maybe I've seen highlights of him. Do is he anything like a John Conte-ish type fighter or does not he at all? Not at all. John he's Conte. Very... I'll be seeing John Conte next week actually. Oh uh, sweet, I hate him. Yeah, I'll, I'll be seeing him. Um, he might come on this one time, actually. That would be great. Yeah, that would think... be amazing. The light heavyweights in the seventies—that would be amazing. Yeah. I'll ask him. But in any case, no. Conte was immaculate. You know, great, great left jab, great yes. movement, fluid movement. You know, yes. consummate boxer. Like that. Yeah. That classic English stylist back in, in the old yeah. mold of a, of a like yeah. a cannon almost, like with a great yeah, jab. Yeah. yeah. He must have had a good time in the back in the days. A good-looking guy and boxer. Conte, you well, you know, Conte absolutely. At one point, he was as famous in this country as David Beckham. Yeah, there you go. Nearer. <laughs> and he, that was the trouble. He fell for the Star Trek, Johnny. You know, the women, yes. the booze, the cocaine. I John's can see that reco- Johnny's a recovering alcoholic who has not had a drink since 1989. Wow. Um, and that's that. That if I see him these days, sometimes it's in that kind of um, yeah. vanguard. You know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's anonymous, right? But, um, but um, he, he, um, but that was the problem, you know. He was, uh, if you read his autobiography, which isn't bad, um, it's called I Conte, and it was yeah. written in the in the late eighties. Yes. Um, and he was, uh, yeah. I mean, he, he was hanging out with Boney M, the pop group, right? Yeah. His oh brothers, his brothers were all. He, he was his brothers taking out the slums of Liverpool as yeah. well. At top as, long, as long as as long as you didn't dance like him. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, to the best of my knowledge, he didn't. So, so they were trashing hotels and snorting cocaine, you know. And yeah. he was getting in a, a lot of trouble. You know, there's a rumor. I've never, I've never um, plucked up the whatever it is. I don't want to say courage to ask him this, but there's a he, he he lost the WBC title by default in 1977. He was supposed to defend against a guy called Miguel Coelho, okay. and he injured his hand. And he said it was because he crashed his uh, Rolls Royce, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and he injured his hand in a driving accident. Some people say it was actually the actor, sorry, the comedian, Ronnie Corbett, from the much-loved two Ronnies, Ronnie Barker and Ronnie Corbett. Little diminutive guy, right? Just purely oh. comic. That's the only context you have for him in British you know, culture. Uh, they said that actually Conte was having an affair with Ronnie Corbett's wife, and um, who was a very beautiful woman, unlike yeah. Ronnie Corbett, who wasn't couldn't be considered that in either you know context for either gender. And... Um, <laughs> And supposedly he hired some some bad men to 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 put Conte out of action. Um, Could you imagine? Wow. And I don't know. It's not something I've ever felt like asking John, to be honest, really, yeah. these days. <laughs> now he's all sober and all this. Oh, yeah, I'll ask him. Don't worry. Uh, you, you're going to ask him on the show? Yeah, you're going to set him up to that one. I, it, to be honest, it... it he, I'm uh, far enough. I'm far enough away. I'm way over I, here. <laughs> I think he had an affair one time. Mm-hmm. With uh, Stephanie Lamotta, who I think is, I think it was Jake Lamotta's daughter, right? Stephanie somebody, Lamotta, yeah. Somebody asked him about that one time at an Xboxes meeting, and he didn't, he didn't, he didn't like it. He just said, "What are you asking me that for? That's derogatory." Um, <laughs> and uh, ever, because of that, I never felt like asking about Ronnie Corbett's missus yeah. either. You know. Um, yeah. 
It no, feels it feels like gossip hungry, you know. It feels yeah, it feels scurrilous. Yeah, exactly. I mean, unless I'm, I'm unless I'm uh, open to be able, like he'll ask me the same questions back. So I'm going to take my hands off that one. Yeah. Well, you. While we're on the subject, I mean, you you must have had a point in your life when you enjoyed the trappings of that kind of stardom. You were you were hailed as a pretty boy and 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 the kind of the heir apparent who who had that Michael Jackson look that was synonymous with you. Yeah. And, you know, the shades and the Jerichos and a ring magazine cover, you know, and the, and the, the garish ring outfits. You you must have had you must have had ladies uh, throwing I'm themselves sure in your direction. Garish. Wow. Huh? I'm not sure they were garish, but okay. Oh, oh flashy, flashy, flashy. I'll take flashy. Yes, okay. uh, silky is even better. But okay. so, yeah, well, that works. <laughs> but but you, you must have had you must have had groupies and, and and ladies. You must have been aware of attention on you, yeah. an attractive, articulate young star with thank you at his feet. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We had so. I mean, I didn't because it was it was I was. I didn't have a long time up at the top, right? It wasn't a long time up there. It's like I, I, right. on the way up, I was building the momentum, and then it got really interesting. And you're meeting, you know, a lot of beautiful, influential women, and and um, you have the opportunity to do that. But at the same time, you know, my father's my manager and trainer. I live with him as well. So and I, and and I am dedicated to winning the world titles. And this is what I thought I had to do—that I had to abstain in order to make it. So. Yeah. The the trappings weren't weren't my problem. Um, I, I, and you uh, weren't a party boy. I know that you weren't. I was, yeah, weren't. I wasn't a party boy either. I, you know, I I genuinely feared losing, and that's that's definitely a um, that's fuel that helps. You know, if you fear something, then you're going to stay away from other things that are going to cause you to you know that could cause you to lose. So um, so it did help me in that in that sense, but. Once I did lose, yeah, it changed a little bit. <laughs> well, you relaxed and thought, well, what the hell? So then, then you're like, well, I lost anyway, and I didn't mess around, so why not? Yeah. You know, so, let's try it the other way. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I know. Yeah, I mean, they, they say Ali. They said Ali was actually very promiscuous. Um, yeah, that would su that would surprise me, especially on the way up. Maybe after he got a little bit comfortable. You know what? You Supposedly know what? not on the way up. In the 60s, early 60s, when he was coming up to Liston, they said that they almost, it was rumours that maybe he's gay because he didn't he wasn't interested yeah. in, the, yeah, in the hookers yeah. and all this kind of thing, you know. Yeah. The, yeah. He was being offered. Yeah. And um, yeah. and they and they said he was so tunnel-visioned. But yeah. I think it was a bit later in his career, maybe even in the 70s, yeah. when he was about as famous as anybody on the planet. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. They said he was more promiscuous. And they he, um, although, you know what they say, they... His biographer, I think, says to the best. Oh, so whoever said it said it. To the best of my knowledge, he never had relations with a white woman. You know, there was. They said yeah. there were there was hundreds or whatever. Yeah. But none of them were ever Caucasian, which is interesting. It's yeah, not completely right. shocking, but it's it's interesting yeah. to a point. Yeah, it's interesting to a point, but with his ideology, I mean, I would ex I would expect that. I mean, you know yeah. what I mean? Like he's. He's a Muslim, and he had his ideas, and he stuck by that. And and Muslims are, I mean, all religions are like that. Whether they're Catholic or Christian or Muslim or whatever it is, everyone has their preferences, and and I'm okay with that. You know, as long as you're not limiting other people to your belief systems and 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 behaviors and stuff like that. It it didn't, uh, but but I would. I don't know. I, I couldn't. I couldn't see Ali was attracted. With so many people saw him as an attractive individual. I I could not. I don't know how he would not find all other races. Does that mean he only went with black women? Are you saying he didn't? Asian no, Indian no, Latina no, and white women though. Uh, supposedly, definitely not white women. I don't know about the other strains. Uh, it's funny. The conversations we end up having on this show are quite interesting, but what the hell? Um, I I don't know. They, they said he never went with a white woman, and I know he was offered to play the role. No, hang on, he did play the role of Buck White, which was yeah, based on Jack Johnson, right? Yeah. But in his autobiography, I think they were talking perhaps about a movie as well, because mm -hmm. James Earl Jones ended up playing Jack yeah. Johnson in The Great White Hope. There's definitely some uh, copy in Ali's autobiography where he says. The role of a, of, a, of of you know a carousing playboy who, who's who slept with several white women 
it was not a role I wanted to glorify. Yeah, yeah, he said, yeah. I, I believe we should glorify on screen and in life our, our black sisters, you know, brought brought into the world yeah. by our black mothers, etc., yes. etc. Et yeah. So he seemed to have an issue with with the, with with portraying Jack Johnson. Yeah. But yeah. he did portray him on Broadway, right? Buck White was yeah, about Jack Johnson. Yeah, so he yeah, yeah. In that situation, yeah. no. But mm -hmm. I, mean, I think Jack Johnson's an interesting, I think, misunderstood figure as well because he's he's very much remembered now as this figure yeah. for you know black emancipation. And mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. are some people who will tell you, including Steve Compton, who told you you should stay in your lane while we're at it. Um, <laughs> he said um, he, he's of the view that you know Johnson it, it did nothing for black athletes and black fighters at all and that johnson was selfish no no here's the thing here's the thing about something when you have a black athlete or a black man in general in this world trying to make it as a professional athlete or in any other profession you're wearing the team colors now there are black men that have an issue with how black men represent themselves like they say oh you're an uncle tom or yeah talk about like sammy davis jr you're not down for but guess what? He wears the team color, and he cannot change from that. So the things that you face, he's going to face. No matter in the world where he goes, Sammy Davis Jr., as much as you think he's an Uncle Tom and a kiss ass, he's wearing your team colors. So he's maybe a lighter a lighter in terms of intensity. He's a lighter version of you. Like he's, he's um, you know, decaffeinated. He's, he's not going to hit you as powerfully, you know what I mean? But, but OJ Simpson. When, when, when they Simpson, said OJ Simpson. Too, yeah. That yeah. you need to be as a black man, you need to take a stand. And he said, "I'm not black. I'm OJ," which obviously <laughs> some people saw that as traitorous comment. But yeah, yeah, that's yeah. your way up. Yeah, OJ did a little bit different. Johnson, Jack Johnson certainly wanted to walk his own road. Yeah, and the, the interesting thing was that there were certain important black spokesmen at the time, most notably Booker T. Washington, mm -hmm. who had a real issue with Johnson, and he and, and they felt that he was a PR disaster. Yeah. for the black race in that era in the 1910s right. you know well, the thing is i mean could there be anything more against the rule of the land than a black man being with a white woman when you're not allowed could there be any more a dissenting black thing you can do than a black man in 1800s or 1920 yeah. whatever it was right, 1908 so, yeah yeah go, going uh, you know, having relations with a white woman at that point, I think that's that's more the balls on this guy to do that at that yeah. time. And they were big, always white. They were always a, white. Yeah, it's a bigger statement than any of these guys that are you know staying with their own and doing all that thing, staying in their lane can do. This man's like, yeah. I don't give a, I don't give a hoot what you do. You can say what you want. You can do what you want. I'm here. This is what I'm doing. This is my life. I'm living it. I'm the individual. I'm strong. I mean, you have to give a hats off to Johnson. He's 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 definitely, you know, he's definitely all that. No doubt. How many individuals do you know, Ben, that were strong enough to do something like that in those days? When the, the it's, it's hard folks, to imagine, really, because white, white folks don't like it and black folks don't like it. So you have two sides that are saying no, yeah. and you have this individual saying, I'm doing what I want. Yeah, I mean, he—he's—he um, he, if he represents anything, he's an icon of the cult of individualism, you know. Yeah, um, so uh, without a doubt, yeah, yeah, and that's what really—that's what life's all about. Like we all like to play on a certain team and all the rest of that kind of stuff. When we have issues, we want our community around us. But this is a man that's willing to walk through life as he entered it and has he left it. He's on his own. He's by himself. He's a one-man army. And he had the confidence to do that. So, you know, more people should, you know, maybe incorporate that way of thinking and being a little bit more instead of, you know, hiding under other people's blankets of security. That's a pretty good close, actually, at that point, I think. It really is. I think you're right. We can leave it at that. But I'm looking forward to next week in our conversation because we may have Iran the Blade Barkley. Barkley. Yeah. I hope we get him. Yeah. Because. Yeah. So, all right, let me talk to Conte as well about. Yeah. Um, we're going to have to play this one carefully because we, we we want one of them, right? We want one of the other, but <laughs> one of the other. Play them off against each other. Um, let me know, you just see how early you can okay. talk to Iran. Okay. okay. Um, I hit, I'll hit him up early, and um, you know, I know in the past we've had some issues. We've had some great guests coming on, and they found their way not to yeah. make it in one way or the other, but. 
I know Iran's looking forward to it. And there's a lot of conversation to be had. He's had a, an, an illustrious career. And then, and what a lot of people would say, an overachieving career. I mean, there's so much to talk about. There's, you know, a potential Hall of Fame thing. And I know he's where do people look at him and place him on the. Um, I don't think he quite belongs in a Hall of Fame, but, but he's, you know, he, he achieved a, a whole lot. You know, but but okay, so and that's another argument. We're going to go back into it because I look at you know I'll say Arturo Gatti was Marvin Johnson. Gatti shouldn't be in there. Gatti shouldn't be in there. No. No. Okay. Well, I can't argue if you're gonna. Yeah. If you're <laughs> agree with me, <laughs> pulling the trigger on that, yeah. knowing you. Let's, let's pick that one up next week. And you listen as yeah. well. I'm not, obviously not going to be an idiot. If if Iran comes on, I'm not half as opinionated with someone in front of me. It's nothing to do with fear or not having the balls to set to their face. It's about no, manners. Yeah. It's about respect. No, I'm I not understand. Going to be like, you ain't a hall of famer. You know, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to do that to you. you get no, 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 no. You know, but uh, but uh, but Ben, I will take up the mantelpiece and I will defend your statement and I will tell Iran. I said, look, Ben said you should not be in the hall of fame. I'll tell him that. Are you okay with that? Uh, you, you you say what you want on my behalf as long as um, yeah I mean yeah <laughs> let's see how it did. goes he did yeah he did <laughs> listen guys at the minute you're privy to one of our kind of production meetings backstage so on yeah. behalf of myself thank you for listening uh, we will try to get this thing sorted where we take your engagements and comments live during the show thanks as ever Michael an unexpected surprise to see you again this week we'll thank be back you, next week you. hopefully. With Iran and Blade Barkley. Don't yeah. do anything we wouldn't do in the meantime. Thanks to Ace Podcast Nation for making all this possible. Over yeah. and out. Sports Social Podcast Network.